Good morning once again. Um, a couple of announcements before we get into a little bit of Micah. Um, Christmas Eve uh, services, we will have multiple services across this campus. Um, four o'clock. Are we having a four o'clock? Come at four. Be by yourself. It'll be great. Um, we're not having a four o'clock service. We are having a five o'clock service, which is the children's service. Last week I said it was 530 and I was quickly chastised um, afterwards. Uh, but it is five o'clock uh, in the sanctuary. It is our biggest attended service of the year um, because the kids run it and it's usually like 10 minutes uh, long. And so people are like, woohoo. Uh, but this year it's going to be longer. I'm doing a, a message over there this year. Uh, so down the hall, five o'clock. Then at 630, the New Heights service will be in here. Um, and it's a typical New Heights service with Christmas songs the way we do it. We will have candles and try to light one another on fire with Silent Night at the end. It'll be great. Very joyous. Uh, and then uh, there's also a 7 o'clock, a 9 o'clock, and an 11 o'clock all down the hall in the sanctuary um, with David preaching 7 to 9, and I think Matt Scott maybe doing 11. Is that right, Bob? Yeah, Matt Scott doing uh, the, the 11 o'clock. So there is a plethora of options should you choose uh, to worship uh, here with us on Christmas Eve. We would love to have you. On the 27th of uh, December, the Sunday following Christmas Day, there will be two services here on campus, one at 930, and that service will be in here, and then one at 11 o'clock, and that service will be down the hall. So if you're coming um, on that Sunday to get extra credit points in heaven, well done. Um, there will be two services, 930 here, 11 o'clock down the hall. And then um, today at, I didn't bring my sheets, Stace, at Asbury, um, today at Asbury, they're having a live nativity scene. So if you, if you are like me and you're kind of bummed that we didn't do it here this year um, because we had some injuries um, to some key personnel uh, is what happened. And, um, and Donna Streep um, broke her foot. Uh, and uh, so uh, because we didn't do it here, Asbury is going to be doing it today from starts at 5 o'clock. And then they're also going to invite you to stay for a uh, fiesta to have some dinner with them and things like that. Uh, so if you want more information about that, um, apparently we go see Stacy because uh, clearly it's not me. So uh, today, uh, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention this, you hear enough of the story uh, because it comes out uh, over the years. Uh, and because it is because of this story, I am the preacher that I am. I am the father that I am. I'm the husband that I am. Um, I, I am what I am. Uh, Essentially, today, 10 years ago, uh, Grace Ann Crocker made her entrance into the world. And uh, so, yeah, we're very happy. We're very thankful for her life and for these 10 years that have been um, fun-ish. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, amazing. 10 amazing years. We had a birthday party yesterday at Krispy Kreme Donuts. Jealous? Um, you should be because it was awesome. However, if I never see a donut, it will be too soon. So, Micah, chapter 5, says this, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past, the people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then, at last, his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land. And he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people 
will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored among the world, and he will be the source of peace. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, as you, uh, if you've been here, we've been walking through the prophetic readings of the liturgical calendar throughout Advent. We've been going back, and these aren't the typical readings that churches do. They, they stick more to the Luke um, and the, the, the happy baby Jesus stories. And we've been kind of delving into kind of the prophetic voices that set the story um, of Bethlehem up. We go back to these times when the people of Israel were deeply, deeply oppressed in in need of a savior and searching for that Messiah. So in the days of Micah, when Micah is writing this, here's what's going on. You have um, the Assyrians are attacking Israel. In fact, they have taken the northern kingdom by the time that Micah writes. So the northern kingdom is gone. It is under Assyrian control. If you remember, um, many months ago, we talked about King Hezekiah and Hezekiah's tunnel. And the reason that he built his tunnel was because of the leader of Assyria, Sennacherib. Sennacherib was this evil, hideous guy who was just really violent when he would take over towns. And he was moving into the southern kingdom as well at this time. And he had picked off a few different places. So what's going on in the southern kingdom where Micah is writing this is they're surrounded by a bigger oppressive army. They're holding on, but the way that they are holding on is they're paying tributes to Sennacherib. They're sending vast amounts of money to him. And they're like, hey, you know, don't attack us because we're just, you know, then you won't get all this money unless you attack us and take everything. You know, it's the other side of that coin, right? But, but for a while it's working. But the way that they're paying for this is the leaders of Israel, the leaders of the southern kingdom are taking it from the poor. They're in charge now, and so they are levying these huge taxes. They're going down to the people who have are going to the people who don't, and they're taking it, and they're sending it off to the, to, uh, the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, to say, hey, just hold off a little bit longer. Now, on top of that, you have the northern kingdoms gone. Many parts of the southern kingdom are starting to get taken down. So you have this huge influx of refugees. All of these refugees are coming in, and they're like, you know, please take us in. We have nothing any longer. We need food. We need shelter. We need clothing. Take us in. Save us. So you have all these refugees coming into their land. And they don't like it very much. Even though they're family. They don't like it. And so what they start doing is those who have power. It talks about it. Micah talks about it in chapters 2 and 3. Those who have power. It's as if they declare war. On the people who do nothing to put food into their mouth. So all of the people who come in and have nothing, they're declaring war on these people. And what's happening is all these leaders, all these rich people are going out and they're buying more land. They're forcing the people who are on that land off. And they're just like amassing stuff and pulling it into themselves. So you have this scenario going on when Micah delivers his prophecy. You have this whole setup where they're being oppressed by an outside army and they're being oppressed from the inside and people are crying out for a savior. They're crying out for the Messiah to come, come and end this oppression. You've done it before. Do it again. Where are you? And what does God say he'll do from the city of Bethlehem? There will come a child. And when this child comes, so too will restoration 
because he is peace. Now, when you're surrounded by a horrendous army who you've heard the stories from the survivors and the refugees who come in, when they take over your village, it isn't pretty. You're surrounded on all sides essentially by this army. And you're trying to hold him off with money, but you know that that isn't going to last forever because word is that he's coming to Jerusalem. And you have all of these people, your people, coming to you asking for help. And many of them feel like they are being stepped on because they are. You have this scenario, the Messiah that you want, the Savior that you want, is somebody who's going to come in and power, right? We know that the Messiah comes from the house of David. This has been prophesied before. The people know this. They're like, it's going to come from the line of David. King David. Yes, the mightiest of the kings, the greatest of the kings. And Micah agrees, but where does he say he will come from? He doesn't say that he will come from the house of David, Jerusalem, where his kingship was, where his strength was, where his, the centralness of his power. No, 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 no. What he says is that the Messiah will come from the home of David, his birthplace, 